Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Salem United Methodist Church Conway. You can find us on the web at salemumcconway.org. Our scripture reading today, our Old Testament reading, comes to us from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. This is Nathan's rebuke to David for his sin with Bathsheba. 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 14. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought, and he bought, brought it up, and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he has no pity. Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul, and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms, and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites." Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will rise up evil against you out of your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did in secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father God, We come to you this morning and we ask that you open our hearts and our minds to hear what you have to tell us, to learn the lessons from great King David, to learn what it means to truly be forgiven by you, to be truly repentant and to confess. Father, open our hearts and our minds to hear this message. Use me as your instrument of truth and grace. In your name we pray, amen. I've seen a lot in my job, my vocation really. I've been asked to do a lot also, but when you work for God, you know, that happens. After all, my name is Nathan, which means he gave or he gives, he being God. So it's only natural that God would give me work to do that God would ask so much of me. I mean, right out of the gate, God tells me to go to King David and tell him that the temple will not be born under his leadership 
but rather that God wants David to focus on building up his house. Me? Tell the king? Tell the king that God doesn't want him to do what he is planning to do? It's a tough job being the mouthpiece for God. You see and you hear and do a lot. Prophets, you know, they work closely with the monarchy. And many times it's us who makes or breaks the monarchy. As is the case in most areas of government, there's a lot of situations that, well, they require forgiveness. All of us in this life say or do things that we shouldn't from time to time. Things that we're sorry for later. This is no different when it comes to the people in power and influence. As a matter of fact, it may even be worse with them. All of us sin, do things that, you know, we shouldn't do, things that separate us from God as, well, we break commands that he has given us. Yeah, we shouldn't sin, but what really matters is what happens after we sin. After our sin is when we're in need of forgiveness and God is there willing to give it to us. But, you see, we have to stand before God and we have to ask for that forgiveness. If forgiveness is to be authentic, to really work in our lives so that we truly are freed from our sin, well, there's a certain way that we should go about that. King David, he knew how to do that. How to go about truly asking for forgiveness before God. He knew how to do it like no one I have ever seen in my lifetime. I guess that's why we all refer to him now as a man after God's own heart. He may not have been perfect, but he truly showed all of us what it meant to be a follower of Yahweh. I'm sure you all know the story, right? About King David and Bathsheba. Well, just in case, it goes a little bit like this. One night, King David saw Bathsheba taking a bath on the roof of her house. And he, like most men, when they see a beautiful woman, they, they catch his eye. But he didn't stop there and turn away. He, he continued to look and to gaze, and the lust grew into his heart. And he began to ask around about who this woman was, and he had her summoned to come to his palace. And, well, we, we know what happens next. And the girl ends up getting pregnant. Uh-oh. So David brings home her husband, Uriah, who's been off at war hoping that he will sleep with her and then he can blame the pregnancy on that and it, it won't be a big deal. It'll be covered up. But Uriah is a good soldier. And in the holy state of war, when you're in a holy war, the rules say that you cannot lie with a woman. So Uriah comes home, but he sleeps at the gate to his house and he does not enter. This makes David angry. David says, I've got to do something about this. And so he sends Uriah back off to war with instructions that will surely kill him. Now here's where I enter the scene. After God tells me what has happened, he tells me to confront David with his sin. Talk about a hard job. To tell the king he's messed up and God's not happy with him. Though I believe David already knew this. So I begin to tell him a story. I come to David and I say, David, there's two men. That, one is very rich and has a bunch of herds of, huge herds of sheep and cattle. And one is very poor. He has one female lamb that he bought and he raised. It grew up with him and his children. 
It ate off of his plate and it drank from his cup. It even slept in his bed. This lamb was more like a pet, maybe like a dog, than a piece of livestock. It's like a daughter to him. But one day, a traveler stops by the house of the rich man, and he's his guest. And we all know what our customs call for. We're to treat guests very well. And the rich man said, I'm going to throw a feast, and I need to kill a lamb, but I don't want to kill any of mine. So he goes, and he takes the lamb from the poor man. And he kills that lamb, and he feeds it to the guest. At this point, David gets angry. He just explodes with anger. And he yells at me saying, as surely as God lives, this man should die. He must repay four times what he's done for this, for his crime. He was just yelling at me, so mad. I was afraid for my life, but I knew I had a job to do. It's after all the prophets who keep the monarchy in check. So I said to David, you're this man. And here's what God, the God of Israel, has to say to you. I made you king over Israel. I freed you from the fist of Saul. I gave you your master's daughter and other wives to have and to hold. I gave you both Israel and Judah. And if that hadn't been enough, I'd have gladly thrown in much more. So why have you treated the word of God with brazen contempt, doing this great evil? You murdered Uriah the Hittite, then took his wife as your wife. Worse, you killed him with an Ammonite sword. And now because you treated God with such contempt and took Uriah the Hittite's wife as your wife, killing and murder will continually plague your family. At this point, David is shifting in his, in his chair, and he can't sit still. And so I said to him, just to remind him, this is God speaking, remember? I'll make trouble for you out of your own family. I'll take your wives from right out in front of you. I'll give them to your neighbor, and he'll go to bed with them openly. You did your deed in private, but I'm doing mine with the whole country watching after I said this, I thought for sure that this was going to make David even more angry, but it didn't. I was surprised with how he handled it. Maybe this is one of the reasons that we make King David out to be so great in the eyes of history. He confessed. He told me that he had done all of what God said and that he had sinned against God. He confessed to God his sins. Then I had to give David the consequences, telling him his son that he and Bathsheba had had would, would die because of their sin. David, you see, sinned against God, and he needed to seek God's forgiveness. God, though, is always there, ready to give us his forgiveness. But we have to come before God and initiate the process. We all do as David did. We fall into sin, and then we have to figure our way back to God. This is done most of the time in the six-step pattern that David followed with his sin with Bathsheba. First off, we sin. I think we all understand that. It's pretty plain and simple. 
we commit an act that goes against God's best for our lives, an act that separates us from God, then we justify our sin and we enjoy it. But then comes step three. We have a realization of guilt. See, for my friend King David, this happened when he realized that Bathsheba was pregnant. Then comes step four. We go through a stage of bargaining, of covering up and deal-making. We've all been there, right? Lord, if you'll get me out of this, I promise I won't do it again. See, for my friend David, this is the part where he, bring, he brought home Uriah from war, and then he gets him killed. For most of us, though, we usually stop here at step four. Once we think things are taken care of, nobody will find out. It's done. But we have to move on to steps five and six if we truly want to be forgiven before God. Confession is step five. We have to own our sin and confess it before God. David said, I did it, and the consequences are mine. Just as David and Bathsheba lost their son, there's always a consequence to pay for our actions, for our sins. And then we move on to step six, which is restoration or forgiveness. This is where God forgives us for our sin after we've owned it and confessed it. Restoration or forgiveness generates a kind of healing that is often sudden and miraculous. Once again, things are right between God and us and between our neighbors and ourselves. It's a wonderful feeling such a cleansing feeling, and we want everyone to have it. The good news of the gospel is that with God, forgiveness is overflowing. Forgiveness is basic to God's nature and is a mighty fountain from which all of us are invited to drink. It is a privilege for those who strive to know God and to live in God's will. But the road to God's wonderful gift of forgiveness goes through the difficult act of confession. Our decision to admit our wrongdoing and seek restoration and also to confess that there are things we ought to have done but failed to do. This is the tough part. It's our part. We must unflinchingly acknowledge our sins of both commission and omission. When we humans come before God, it must always be in the spirit of the old prayer of confession. All of us like sheep have gone astray. These are difficult words, but without them, there can be no wholeness for us or for our neighbor. When we do this, as I witness David confess and ask for forgiveness, we will be restored to God. Greatness will come as it did for David. A line of great kings that he established that brought forth other great kings, including King Jesus. You see, God is always ready to forgive us, to restore us, and to welcome us home. When that happens, we can accomplish great things for God, just as my friend King David did. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you will join us in worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. We're located at 1018 Salem Road in Conway, Arkansas.